I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome back to the RHS Gardening Podcast. I'm Guy Barter, Chief Horticulturist at the Royal Horticultural Society. As regular listeners will know, in this podcast we bring you gardening features, seasonal advice and tips from RHS experts throughout the gardening year. June is a time of abundance in the garden, especially for those of us who grow fruit and vegetables. The first strawberries are ripening. Gooseberries can be gathered now as they come up to ripeness for making jam and for preserving. Rhubarb, of course, is still being pulled at this season and it's the very last pickings for the asparagus before giving it a rest until next year. In June, the days are long, the sun is high in the sky and it's peak light conditions so that any plants sown or planted out now are going to get off to a flying start, not least because the soil is still moist from winter rains. Unfortunately, it's also peak weed season at this time of year. A good deal of effort has to be put in just to knock the weeds on the head so that you can sit back in July and August and enjoy the fruits of your labours. So, coming up in this summer edition, location, 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 or rather relocation. How can you safely move treasured plants from one garden to another? We speak to award-winning designers at this year's Chelsea Flower Show to find out how to transplant safely. RHS advisors tackle your gardening questions and as always the latest news on RHS garden events across the UK. But first let's hear about some of the key jobs you can be tackling in your garden this month. Hi it's Bernard Boardman from the fruit team at Wisley. Actually we've just renamed ourselves Edibles so we're now the Edibles team at Wisley. I'm looking at our fruit and it's June and I'm thinking about ordering cream because the strawberries are growing nicely but just keep an eye on your soft fruit it's a great time of year for anything that wants to eat or damage soft fruit so be aware of aphids and I'll let you decide what you want to do about them we try and spray as little as possible but sometimes you have to and it's very careful if you do resort to that that you make sure that you're using the right sort of spray intervals between spraying and then harvesting your fruit. Make sure your raspberries and gooseberries that it's all well supported. You you sort of tighten wires up in the winter when there's very little growth on plants. You think, yeah, that'll be fine. And then suddenly they've got all their leaves on so it's like a galleon in full sail and then the fruit comes on 
and that's more weight so just make sure that everything's as it should be because it's a great time of year for support posts to break and you can often sort of tuck a spare post down the side of the one that's doing the main job just to act as a little bit of extra support if you need to. Looking at the bigger trees, um, your apples and pears, um, we've had the delights of blossom time and now we can see that there's lots of young fruit developing and now you have to harden your heart and start and take off a good percentage of that young fruit off just to open up the clusters let there be plenty of air and light and air, the air circulation is absolutely vital and it also lets the sunlight in so um, fruit can ripen and develop properly you can take apples off and then there is the delightful thing that nature throws out is called the dune drop nature does this thinning and we would thin some more so um, with an eating apple we'd go down to sort of try and leave them at sort of two per cluster and you may well have started off with half a dozen with a cooking apple you just want those down to single fruits you've may have planted young trees in the winter time uh, it's absolutely crucial that you make sure that they're well watered throughout the summer because um, if we hit a long spell of dry weather they will stop their root development and, and that can sort of have a detrimental effect on their, their establishment so just, just be mindful, keep an eye on things they don't have to be soaking wet but if we do have a prolonged spell give them a good drink sort of at least once a week Remember, you can find more information on all aspects of gardening techniques on our website's advice pages. Go to rhs.org.uk slash advice. I'm Guy Barter, and you're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. As regular listeners will know, each month we're joined by the RHS Gardening Advice Team, who will answer some of the questions we've received recently. Members of the RHS can get advice on any gardening problem for free all through the year from our expert team. Questions can be submitted by phone, post or email or in person at any of the RHS flower shows. And podcast listeners can also email us your questions directly to podcast at rhs.org.uk. So let's join my colleagues as they discuss some of the inquiries they have received recently. I'm Jenny Bowden and I'm one of the horticultural advisors. My name's Anna Platoni and I'm an entomologist. My name's Rob Sterling and I'm one of the advisors. Harry Gaines uh, emails us saying um, he's having uh, problems with pigeons and he says, how can I best protect um, my plants and keep them off my cabbages? They seem to be able to ruin plants in seconds. Anna. <laughs> yeah, this is a really common problem, um, especially with plants such as cabbages. Um, pigeons absolutely love them. And yeah, they can um, cause a lot of damage very quickly. And the annoying thing is, is once they've found an area that they like to feed in with lots of food, they'll quite often keep returning. Um, there are plenty of different options. Um, some of them work 
better than others so you can go for perhaps um, traditional sort of bird scaring devices and um, things like hanging CDs up the um, light reflecting off them um, should cause them some sort of dismay um, problem is is the pigeons when there's a really good food source there and they can very quickly get used to all these bird scaring devices there are also some um, proprietary things you can buy from garden centres um, to spray onto areas which um, should make the foliage taste nasty to the pigeons um, but these can um, be washed off very quickly especially in wet weather um, so they often have to be reapplied so often that it's um, not necessarily worth the work. The only um, sort of foolproof way to keep pigeons off um, will be to um, put some strong netting um, or a wire cage um, over the cabbages. I'm afraid that's the best bet. I tend to use insect-proof mesh because it keeps off many pests that love to feed on cabbage family crops and it also keeps off the pigeons very comprehensively. But it is rather expensive. However, on a small scale, it's affordable and um, saves you an awful lot of work and time. Roger Delaney in Berkshire um, asks about squirrels. Um, how can I stop these hungry creatures digging up my bulbs? It happens year after year and is driving me nuts. So again, a really annoying problem that's quite difficult to solve. Squirrels absolutely love um, yeah, eating bulbs. Um, and again, the only real way um, to completely protect them um, is to put um, to cover the bulbs. So if you if you're growing bulbs in pots, this can be easier to put a wire mesh over the top. Um, in a lawn, it's you know almost impossible, and there are very few ways to really keep squirrels out of your garden completely. The good news, I guess, um, is that squirrels tend to be inquisitive feeders and really the first year you plant the bulbs are the years that they're going to try and dig them up. If your bulbs make it through that first year, chances are they've got a much better chance against the squirrels, but getting them through that first year is the hardest thing. I had problems with squirrels biting through the base of lily stems one year, not actually eating them, but literally just doing it for fun, biting them off at ground level. And there were these uh, spikes of lilies just laying on the ground, you know, completely doomed. And I did put a basket over them the following year, just, you know, to see if that would actually put them off. So, you know, the basket was probably about six inches or uh, 15 centimetres high, I suppose, once it was inverted. And it seemed to deter their interest until they were such a size that they'd uh, forgotten about them. So whether that worked or whether they decided that it was just boring fun doing it again, I'm not sure. But um, but I did try that and it seemed to work. An espire of um, Welland Garden City writes in to say, how can I propagate my carnations? Uh, carnations, of course, are a, a lovely showy flower, much grown for buttonholes and uh, florist arrangements, but are also a wonderful and easy thing to grow in the gardens. Have you got any ideas on this? Well, one of the ways of uh, propagating uh, carnations is um, via a, uh, a method called taking pips, which are um, uh, pieces of stem which are quite young, uh, they're still green and soft, and if you hold on to the mature part of the stem which is the the older part of the stem and just pull away a piece of unflowered stem from the top um, it snaps and you're left with a little piece of stem probably about uh, say something like uh, 10 centimeters or four inches long Um, and if you take off the, the lower leaves 
put those into um, a potting mix of about 50-50 multi-purpose and and sharp sand, um, they seem to root very easily. Uh, We've got a question here from Mr F Raven in Guildford who says, I'd like some bamboo to create a screen around my sitting area and introduce height and movement into the garden. But he's particularly worried about it running rampant and taking over the garden. How can he prevent this from happening? Is there any way to restrict its growth or are there varieties that are slightly less invasive? Yes, it's all a bit deceptive because sometimes there are bamboos which are sold as what they call clumpers rather than runners and they are not quite accurate sometimes. I think we're getting we're getting round to it. Um, but things like Philostachus, for example, Philostachus is the black, uh, includes the black stem bamboo and they can be clumpers for a while so they make a nice clump basically and they they stay put for many many years and they'll they'll make a quite quite a nice colony of canes uh, which you can thin so that you can see through them but you know quite a large clump but then after about 10 years maybe or if they get especially dry uh, and they may then start to go off looking for for somewhere else to live. Uh, so suddenly they'll te- they'll start to take off, and that's when you're in trouble. So they can be civilized for many many years, and then suddenly take off, which is obviously a great problem uh, to neighbours and you know even to to the person who planted it in the first place. Uh, there is a group which is more of a of a clumper than a, a runner, uh, which is a fargesia, which is spelt with an F. F-A-R-G-E-S-I-A. They get to around uh, 10 to 12 feet, uh, so around the four metre size. Uh, You've still got that lovely sound uh, um, as as they wave in the breeze. Um, And they're probably, they're well worth planting. You can plant bamboos in containers, but they're so vigorous and so hungry that you have to really keep an eye on the watering and be ready to divide them quite regularly. Otherwise, you might find you've even got a cracked pot because they've just tried to explode out. Um, so you'd probably, you know, you'd be looking at a container which is you know, 45 centimetres deep by 45 centimetres wide. That's 18 inches each way. Um, and just realise that you're going to have to be knocking them out and and really maintaining them quite quite a lot. You can't just plant them up and and forget about them and hope they're going to do that wonderful job without quite a, a lot of care. There are ways of of containing them within the garden. Um, and Rob, what, how how would you do that? Yes, um, um, you need to use a specialist um, membrane. It's actually called a bamboo membrane. Um, and um, you can get that if you Google it online. You'll probably find that there are some suppliers who would be able to sell it to you by per meter. Um, and um, what you need to do is to install this um, bamboo membrane at planting time. It's 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 very difficult, if not impossible, to do it after you've decided that the the bamboo is beginning to run. Um, it's um, t- far too late then. The horse has already bolted, as it were. So, so at planting time, dig a much larger hole than you would normally need to plant the bamboo in, um, and probably about two to three feet across, I would say, um, to allow the, the the bamboo eventually to grow into um, to the space and line the the wall of the hole, um, not the base, but line the wall of the hole with um, uh, this bamboo membrane. Um, it would be worth 
trying to excavate as deep as you can, perhaps down to two feet or so. Um, and also it's important to put the um, membrane above the surface of the soil by about five centimetres or two inches, and then to fill back with good, rich topsoil. It will give you a, the appearance of a sort of a, a black ring around in the garden once it's uh, been completely filled back in. And then you can plant your bamboo into that. And the bamboo membrane has a, a special property which prevents the, the, the culms or the, the new shoots um, of, on the rhizomes from actually pushing through. Um, instead, it, it, it resists it and the, the bamboo is contained within the area that, you, um, that you've uh, designated. And the two inch or five centimeter uh, lip on the surface of the soil will also prevent or at least um, delay the, the bamboo from climbing over the top um, sometimes its rhizomes can come up to the surface and then go along the surface of the soil and in which case you know with that you you would be able to see them um, and uh, before they became uh, well rooted and uh, and prune them off with some secateurs and uh, that way you can keep even the most troublesome bamboos under control Mr. Phipps from uh, Farnham uh, writes in and says, um, my garden is on a steep slope. I've recently created two beds that I'd like to plant up into herbaceous borders. I'm concerned about how um, to ensure the young plants get enough water. When it rains, the water seems to run off the slope. Do I need to create an irrigation system? Or I don't have a large budget, so is it a lost cause? terracing would be the answer here but i see the budget is uh, limited so we're going to have to rule out terracing and instead there's a number of things you can do uh, one of which is autumn planting so that the plants grow uh, or do at least some of their growing over the winter while the soil is dry and in the spring before it gets before it takes off a cunning ruse that people do is to fill a plastic bag with water make a little hole and stand it next to a newly planted thing so the water seeps out and doesn't run down the slope um, if your funds will run to it then a drip line running along the slope not up and down um, is uh, is an excellent solution if it runs up and down more water comes out at the bottom and the top so it has to follow the follow the contours uh, you can dimple the surface which is just leave it very slightly dimpled without um without doing too much disruption uh, and you always best to plant small things which should save money as well finally um you can also get a uh, a coir or coconut fiber mat which you can lay on the slope and plant through that and that keeps the weeds down and to some extent absorbs the moisture and stops the runoff so it's by no means impossible to plant a, a steep slope with perennial plants but um Jenny, you seem to be bursting to say something. I do have quite a steep slope at home and um, uh, budget wouldn't really run to actual terracing. But what I tend to do is just dig into the dig into the side of the slope and, and make individual terraces for each plant and then enrich, enrich each individual hole with some organic matter to help hold on to the moisture. Uh, and it, it works extremely well uh, and I, I hand, hand water it and then uh, everything will spread out from there. Um, so just lo localised terracing. C. Cox asks, can you give me advice on how to choose and grow purple sprouting broccoli, please? My family love it, but it can be very expensive in the shops. Guy? Well, um, purple sprouting broccoli is expensive in the shops for three reasons. Uh, one is it takes nine months to grow. 
so it um, uses up land for a long time the other is that when you pick it it wilts and goes horrid very quickly so it has to be very carefully handled by commercial growers however it's easy to grow at home if you can afford leaving the ground um, tied up for uh, nine months the first thing is to choose your kind. Um, there's early and late sprouting selections, which are very cheap seed that you can buy a thousand or more seeds for a pound or two. And there's more modern ones that have names like Cardinal, Claret and Bordeaux that uh, give a higher quality at a defined season. And don't forget white broccoli. If you're going to grow your own, you can have some white broccoli, which isn't offered, often available in shops anyway. Um, so it's easy to grow you sow the seeds in may uh, you plant out the young plants in july you can either grow them in a seed bed or in pots whatever suits uh, they need minimal feeding or else they get soft and die in the winter they do need plenty of water and um, you plant the plants out about uh, 60 centimeters or 24 inches between the plants and in rows 75 centimeters apart that's 20 inches and uh, that's all there is to it, except, of course, that um, broccoli is a demon for pests. We've already talked about pigeons, but um, it's also afflicted by some other things. So I think we really need some input from an entomologist here. Anna, what do you think? So two types of butterfly are probably the main pests um, that affect brassicas. They're all ca- called cabbage white butterflies, but there are two species within that, um, the large white and the small white, um, and they have caterpillars um, that will eat um, purple sprouting broccoli um, among with other things um, in the family. Um, the best way to protect your crop against these um, is to um, put some insect-proof netting um, around and over the crop Um, The important things to remember when you're doing this is to put them out early enough um, so that the butterflies haven't had a chance to lay their eggs before you get the netting out and also um, to make sure that the crop isn't touching the netting. Um, If it is, then the butterflies can land on the netting and lay their eggs through. Um, That's easier said than done sometimes um, as the crop grows, um, as it can grow sort of into the netting that you've carefully placed around it. The RHS Gardening Advice Team. As well as help with gardening issues, members also get free entry to all four RHS gardens, plus the opportunity to buy priority tickets to our flower shows and events. You can find out more about the benefits of becoming a member on our website, rhs.org.uk join. Here's a few of the attractions and events coming up in the next few weeks. Harlow Carr is even more plant-mad than normal this month, with a bonsai show on the 18th and 19th and a peony show on the 26th of June. Both events are free with normal garden admission. Feel the buzz of summer with our Plants for Wildlife workshop at Hyde Hall on June 23rd. Learn which plants to select and turn your garden into a haven for wildlife. Booking is essential and discounted places are available for RHS members. RHS Garden Rosemore is hosting a new month-long rose festival which centres around the colour and scent of our two rose gardens, consistently voted among the top ten places in Britain to enjoy roses. Join us for advice, tours and demonstrations and more, including a club craft market and plant centre event on the 18th and 19th of June. As part of National Insect Week, discover details of insects hidden to the naked eye with our entomologists who will be on hand at Wisley between the 23rd and 26th of June to help you find out more and answer your questions. See our website for timings. It's free with normal garden entry. And finally, 
Don't forget, tickets to our brand new flower show in 2017 at Chatsworth in Derbyshire went on sale on the 7th of June. As an RHS member, you get reduced ticket prices and access on less busy days. Save even more by booking in advance. See rhs.org.uk slash Chatsworth. And now, here's our Director General, Sue Biggs, to tell us more about this exciting new show. Chatsworth has got a theme of design revolutionaries, which I think is fantastic. I mean, some great designers like Joseph Paxton, Capability Brown were involved in the creation of that fabulous garden at Chatsworth. Uh, But really what we want to do is break the mould of our other flower shows. We want it to be different. Um, So uh, even from as simple as some curved lines instead of straight lines seeing things from different perspectives up in the air crossing over the river derwent on bridges that will have built very exciting show it's going to be full details of all events and many more are on our rhs website go to rhs.org.uk slash event search One of the questions we are frequently asked by RHS members is how can they move plants from one location to another without harming them? This can be relocation within a garden, as you redesign a border or a seating area, for example, or when moving a house. Some of those most experienced in the skills and pitfalls of moving plants are the garden designers who undertake the mammoth task of transporting a huge variety of trees, shrubs and herbaceous perennials to create show gardens at the RHS flower shows. We spoke to some of the award-winning designers at this year's Chelsea Flower Show to hear from the experts about some of the techniques they use when relocating plants safely and some of the useful tricks if you're considering moving house or designing your own garden. I'm Jo Thompson, I'm a garden designer and we're at the Chelsea Flower Show. When I'm talking to clients about moving plants, you know, say they're moving house, I always do suggest that they leave something for for the next occupant of the house it's really easy to take things like geraniums with you you know you can split them and leave leave some and and then then pot pot some up and take them with you I wouldn't try moving anything like Daphne or Peony believe me I've tried I've tried to break the walls and it just it doesn't it doesn't work it never it never works Irises are good to move. You can split them and take a clump with you and put put the rest in the ground for the for the next occupant. I like to put up things that have self sown, so things like fennel. I you know if if I see it in the wrong place, I'll I'll just try and either, you know pot it up if I'm moving it to another garden or just simply plonk it in somewhere else. I mean I I do. I'm a great fan of self seeders. And you know, things like fennel and verbenoriensis work really well. Just, just kind of, just, they're they're very easy to transport. Things like trees, I'd say, you know what, to have a new. It's very complicated to try and move a tree, and requires months of preparation. So I would say, get a, you know, buy a new one and enjoy watching that one grow. My name's Cleve West, um, and we're at the Chelsea Flower Show. From my own experience, I've been able to move things like hollies, quite big hollies and, and apple trees and rhododendrons and box rhododendrons and box and aces and all that those sort of plants, they have a really fibrous root ball so they're quite easy to dig up as long as you do it in the right time of year, sort of dormant season. Digging up a, a, a shrub of any size, if it you know, if, as long as it's got a fibrous root system, you can dig round the, the root ball in the in the dormant season and um, with a bit of muscle power, you, know, you probably need several people depending on how big the plant is but they can usually be moved. It's when you have things like 
I've never had any success with Mahonias or Berberis of that sort of shrub, anything with a much longer root system, meteor root system, they tend not to like it. If you've got any doubt at all, you can always um, root prune uh, around the, the shrub or the tree a year before so they have a chance to grow some more fibrous roots and we did that with these oak trees because we knew quite a long time ago we were doing this this year so we had the luxury of being able to root prune them um, last winter and so it minimised the stress for this winter. Root pruning does require um, machinery if, you, if they're large trees you need a proper uh, tree spade to actually dig around the tree and cut the roots. Um, doing it yourself by hand is, is much more labour intensive and can be quite hard work depending on how big or small the, sh uh, the sh tree or shrub is so um, you know you need a bit of uh, energy and <laughs> a bit of skill. I'm Chris Beardshaw and I'm the designer of the Morgan Stanley Garden for Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital. There's always a sense that once you've invested in a plant you move house you want to take it with you for whatever reason and, and it, it isn't impossible, you know, the trees that are here, we've got a nine metre high Liriodendron tulipifera and, um, and, and that is going onto the roof of Great Ormond Street Hospital. It's, it's, in a, it, it's an undercut tree, so it's been prepared in the nursery for several, well, for all of its life actually. It's been undercut on an annual basis and transplanted um, and it's then been root balled and air potted. So it's been prepared for that transference and I think that's the key, is that... Um, Taking a much-loved specimen which hasn't been undercut, where the roots are running across the garden, is very, very difficult. However, if you have the time, a couple of seasons perhaps, and you can dig a trench, you can uh, sever the roots, promote fibrous root growth around the trunk of the tree or the shrub that you're trying to move, and then um, backfill that trench with sand or compost, to then move it when the plant is dormant, you're much more likely for it to succeed. Of course, woody plants are much more difficult than herbaceous perennials, which you can pretty much dig them up and move them in full leaf, and as long as you cut the foliage back and keep them well watered and apologise profusely, they'll be fine. Designers at this year's Chelsea Flower Show. You can find images and reports from the show on the RHS website. There's also further advice on moving plants and trees on our advice pages. So that's all we have time for in this edition. We'll be back in a fortnight. For now, from me, Guy Barter, and all the RHS Gardening Podcast team, goodbye. Walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Crest robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Crest robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilise the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer.
or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced-rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.